Greetings. As promised, here is part two of our rundown of the best movies of 2022. Normal spoiler alert, although again, we don't get anything too egregious. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. So I will say I I'm very proud of the proprietary little numbering system or scoring system I developed because I, I like the I like the progression through here. So like even though I just let the math decide, I didn't I didn't make any selection other than just what what the math kind of put out. And the eight movies left are everyone's top twos plus uh, one movie that was a consensus uh, on two people's number five here, but uh, which is actually what we're gonna get to here next so it actually kind of worked pretty well just letting the math decide okay so i'm gonna so it was actually both aaron and logan's number five i'm gonna give it to logan just to kind of balance out the uh number of intros per person okay yeah so this is a uh, all quiet on the western front and it's directed by edward Berger. um i don't think i've seen anything else of his it was released on netflix and it's the classic world war one movie i thought that this movie was one of the well it's the first time in a long time that i've seen an anti-war movie that is actually an anti-war movie and not like like a war movie that like kind of glorifies war to be honest but then says it's an anti-war movie because you know it's just but yeah there's there's no big mission there's no glory there's no honor there's no you know he saves the day it is purely the futility of war, specifically World War One, but just in general, I think it, it works for, you know, just just for war in general. It is so brutal. I mean, there are scenes in this that are very hard to watch. It's incredibly violent. But the the way that it's shot, though, it's like there are scenes where it's like it's devastating and brutal, but also kind of beautiful. Like a lot of yes. the big sweeping shots of like the trenches and stuff. And yeah, there's, you know, dead bodies and fire and, you know, mangled barbed wire and, and tanks and stuff. But like, it looks, it looks good. And there's also, um, you know, in, in between the, the big battle scenes, there's like, when they're just kind of in the French countryside, a lot of that cinematography is really, really cool too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, really, really good visuals, awesome performances, um, especially from the lead. I don't even know what this kid's name is. Felix, Felix Camerer, Camerer. I pro- probably Camerer. Yeah, Camerer. Yeah. Okay, yeah. First time I've seen him in anything, and he was awesome. He's very. Uh, he's like a really skinny, kind of almost gaunt kid, and so he he does a good job of playing that like you know emaciated guy that's been on the front lines for you know months and months and months, and then. Uh, yeah, the, the other, the last little note that I have uh, is that I thought that this movie did a really good job at illustrating the divide between the politicians and generals and then like the soldiers yes. that are on the front line and in a really deliberate way where it was like a lot of times you'd have like, you know, cuts back and forth, almost even like shot reverse shot, but of, you know, a general eating a steak and drinking wine and he's, you know, got his feet up next to the fireplace and then it's like, the very next scene is these soldiers fighting their way through the trenches, literally hand-to-hand combat, stabbing each other with knives, but they get sidetracked because they find the kitchen and they just start eating like sausages and food 
and there's rats crawling all over everything, but they don't care. They're just eating it anyway because they've just been starved, you know, haven't eaten in days. Yeah, it's it's incredibly brutal. It's incredibly grounded. Um, there's no like even movies like 1917. Um, you know, there's that there's that overarching like, oh, we have to accomplish the mission. We have to serve our country, and that's kind of how these kids feel at the beginning of it. But it very quickly turns into we're just out here trying to survive. Aaron, you're number five as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing really else to add. I mean, the cinematography I think was was amazing. This film, and that's something I ne- wasn't necessarily um, expecting. I also thought that the the score was pretty impactful. Right, it really built built tension throughout the film as well. Um, but yeah, pretty bleak, brutal. But overall, I really did like it a lot. No, I'm actually, even though I did not have this on my top ten, I am a massive fan of this film, and I mentioned. The Whale won my award for best last 30 seconds of the film. I think this is the best made film of the year. This is the best production of the year. I would vote, if I were an Academy member, well, I guess I'd have to be in the director's branch, but I would nominate this guy for best director. Like He'd be my vote to win best director of the year would be the director of this film. My only beef with it is my what I brought to the table as someone who's already consumed other versions of All Quiet on the Western Front and have read the novel. And mm-hmm. so I kept waiting for certain points from the novel that I consider seminal to the story of All Quiet on the Western Front. And those things ended up never happening. Or they did versions of them that I I basically disagree with the creative decisions that they were making at a certain point. So even though the production value was spot on, I didn't like it as an adaptation of All Quiet on the Western Front, the book specifically. Mm-hmm. So that's not necessarily the film's fault, but it's basically the only reason it didn't make my my top ten. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like Logan, we did we did the silent version or the original like '30s version on history and film, didn't we? Yeah, back uh, yeah, we did a year or two ago. Yep. So like the two the two key moments again. It's it's a hundred year old book. We can probably do a little bit of spoilery <laughs> here too. Is uh so the the two two main things that stand out as significant differences. So in this film, they show. They're kind of talking or teasing the one buddy who goes off to hang out with the girls and then like kind of comes back. But I'm like, no, in in the book and the other versions of the film, they all go. Our main hero, he also goes to hang out with the girls. And I feel like that was important because it's the French girls. So you got these German soldiers who don't want to be there and they're going hanging out with the local French girls that are kind of near the front lines. And like, I don't know, that, that's, that to me seems important like from a character development standpoint within the horrors of the war and a good juxtaposition between trench warfare versus young flirtation kind of thing. So I, I was, it confused me as to why you would ever possibly take that out. And then the other one is, and actually I don't even remember this from the 1930s version necessarily as much as I remember it from the book, but uh, when he's on leave, he goes back to... Mm. The school, basically the school, because yeah. in, in, in the book, especially it's the teacher. Mm-hmm. Yes, the teachers are really yes. pushing. Like you guys got to do your duty for the fatherland. Like they're really pushing the patriotism, nationalism side of things, and they buy into all of it. Go off to war, and he goes back, and he balks at those ideas. And you have these current high school students and his teachers calling him a coward. Yeah, for not buying into that same propaganda that's sitting there in the first place, and they excise that. And then you do a little bit of it with what you were talking about with the generals and the higher ups. So we still see that juxtaposition. But to me, it's so much more impactful when it's back at the school with other students and 16-year-olds are calling our main character a coward. And we know what he's seen out there in the trenches. And they cut that out. Again, 
it's a great movie. I actually will have no problem if this ends up pulling off the upset and winning Best Picture. Like, I'd be like, good on it, spectacular production. I just have my own little beefs uh, with it. And I thought I heard, I didn't hear this specifically from any Germans, but I thought I heard other people talking about hearing that German audiences are also maybe a little annoyed with the same things I'm annoyed with. But I, I haven't confirmed that. I just heard someone else mention that hmm. maybe maybe the case. But yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. Highly recommend. Will probably win the best foreign film Oscar. Yeah, there's there are also uh, multiple moments in this movie where they do a great job of showing how you know soldiers in a war a lot of the time have a lot more in common with each other and you know than they might think, and that it's it's generally yes. the nationalism of the generals and the politicians above them that are the reason that they're in the first place. And that if it were any other circumstance, not only would they not be fighting each other, but they might actually, you know, be friends or like each other. And yeah, mm-hmm. one of one of the most the, uh, one of the hardest scenes to watch is at, at the end when he's in the foxhole with the French soldier. And it's, yeah. you know, it's it's horrific. And it's made even worse by the fact that they know that the war is going to end in 15 minutes. The war is going to end at 11 and they start the charge mm-hmm. at 1045 just because that one general wants to be a dickhead. So infuriating. And again, hey, we've talked about before, like World War One. you talk about futility of war. This is the ult- World War One itself in real life is like the ultimate futility of war. Not movie, like real life example of the futility of war. And like you were, yeah. when you were first talking, Logan, the thing I couldn't help thinking about is you've heard the phrase war is hell. That's almost what this movie is. It's like you're watching hell. This movie is hell. You're literally in hell with this character in the trenches. Yeah. Cody, did you end up seeing this one? I know we had talked about it. Um, I knew that it was going to be on most of your guys' list, so I was going to watch it last night. And I, when I went on Netflix, as soon as I got on there, I'm like, shit, I think that this is in German, uh, a, different la- a different language. And not that I'm against that. I mean, it's not my favorite. But it's more, but I, it's more focus required. Yes, and I just, mm. I did not have it in me last night to watch something like that. So, I do want to see it. Um, I just couldn't have done it last night. Pulling the COVID card for not watching the two and a half hour German war film. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think even you said one time when we were talking about it, he's like, you're like, there's not that much dialogue. True. No, right. Like, it, yeah, it's, it is kind of irrelevant that it's yeah, a, a good German. point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll probably, I don't know, I, I could say I'll probably watch it, but we know I won't. So, if it didn't happen before this, I don't really have that much of a reason to. War movies don't really do it for me. Where it is, uh, what is tough though too, and I, I definitely struggle with this, is, you know, once kind of, oh, I'd say October hits, it's like, okay, now it's time to buckle down what movies are going to be in awards contention slash, you know, 20, you know, best of the year contention and like, just hammer it. But then once that's up, it's like, okay. Well, now I have other things to do than obsessively watch the movies from 2022. And so if I don't watch something, you know, around this time here before the Oscars, I may never watch it. And all of a sudden, 10 years have gone by. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I had every intention of watching that movie. But life just kind of keeps moving on. I do have a question that you guys might have answered a second ago. Um, okay. I zoned out for a second. Is this a remake of the 1931 well, it's based off the same book. Or it's, it's based, based off, off the same, same book. book. Okay, yeah. so just another, okay. There's been other versions, yeah. and, I, and I think I heard this is actually the first German production, at least definitely of the scale, but okay. the, the, both the 1930, 
four, I think it was version. Oh, was the and first it, one not? I thought it was. In- I think it was technically an American production. Huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm on the I'm on the Wikipedia right now, and it says United States. It was 1930 though. Okay, 1930. Just because Parasite was the first mm. foreign language film to win Best Picture, so that 30, mm-hmm. 1930 version did also win Best Picture, but was not considered foreign oh. language or foreign film at the time. Okay, and wasn't even called Best Picture then, right? Uh, they've they've changed the name. It was the same thing. They, they, it was it was the equivalent thereof, at least. Uh, they have changed the name. It might have been Best Production <laughs> or whatever. But. Just on the Wikipedia. It was the first talkie war film to win an Oscar. <laughs> okay, it's like the third best picture winner ever already. So like, is there's not her yeah. fourth? <laughs> no, I know. Just the talkie part makes me laugh. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, okay, that's a side note. So yes, everyone thinks oh, talkie is a silly way to refer to a movie with like sound and stuff. But you know what's also a silly way to refer to a moving picture movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's the same what is that called D- diminutization or whatever so like talkie and movie are the same thing like that's the same form of a word <laughs> so you're not wrong but we're just so used to movie that we forget that talkie was basically seen the same way back in the mm-hmm. 30s okay next we get this is on two lists uh cody put it at number 10 but aaron has it at number two so she's going to introduce it Yay. Okay. My number two is After Sun. And so it's basically a story of a daughter and her father on a vacation in Turkey. I mean, it's kind of hard to explain the plot, honestly, because not a lot lot happens, right? Yeah. On their trip, but it's shown from two different perspectives. It's young Sophie as she's experiencing it, but that's also interspliced with camcorder footage. And then you also get adult Sophie as she's older reviewing this uh, footage from the trip and like kind of recognizing things she couldn't realize when she was a child about her father. Uh, I just loved it. It was so beautifully and I think the score did such a good job of building tension throughout because again young Sophie had a good time but you see right as an adult watching the film that her father is really struggling uh, mentally like he's having severe anxiety and depression like it's very apparent. But yeah, I just think it was a beautiful blend of, right, like hazy childhood memories and like adult realizations. Um, You know, you recognize as you get older that your parents are people too, right? And they have like faults. And yeah, and I loved especially the like scene of him dancing to Under Pressure at the end of the film, like towards the end of the film, I loved. It was very emotional. It's one of the movies, like I get the criticism that there wasn't enough going on, but like after the film was over, I like felt so emotional. It really resonated with me personally for like a really long time. And I think that's why it's so high. And it is beautiful. Also, that dancing scene at like sequence at the end was absolutely just beautiful. Yeah, it really was. Okay, I was worried Cody's first note was going to be on how hot the dad was. So I'm glad I, I'm glad he talked about the dancing first. Yeah, I <laughs> will get that part out of the way. Um, I told I said to Richie, I said, starting after sun at nine o'clock on the 20th, he said, good choice. I need something to talk about it. I said, see you in an hour and a half, hour 45. And then I said, um, dad's kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. <laughs> and he also got an Oscar nomination, which was he did. definitely kind of out of left field. Like this is such a small movie. I was not expecting it to be on anybody's radar where I had heard of it. I did put it on our list of like, hey, here's some movies you guys might try to catch. Before I had seen it, but I it was on film spotting. Two of the, their two main hosts had it as both had it independently as their number one film of the year, and so I still think I put it on my radar. And I did 
I definitely enjoyed it as well. It's another slow burn family drama just in the list of many I enjoyed uh, this year. Uh, this one did argue, arguably have less of a plot, and I didn't see that as as a fault. If, if anything, I just I think I told Cody I got a little confused. Aaron seems to have a much better handle than I did on the jumping around with the viewpoints, and so I I, I say that's on me. I, I don't I don't I don't think that's the fault of the film. I think I just kind of glossed over or something at some point. But uh, it is beautifully performed. The relationship between those two is just even though it's nothing happening and it's just a father and daughter on vacation i was never bored like it just feels very real and you do enjoy seeing the intricacies of their relationship that's not there's nothing there's nothing grand it's not like they have these big blowout fights it's not like they're having a blast the whole time it's just real life and we kind of see it very very beautifully i guess i will do the spoiler tag again and kind of may ask Aaron the question I, I told Cody was was confusing me. And I get that someone was out of order, but where I was really confused, so I got I definitely got that the dad was suicidal uh, or at least severely depressed. Mm-hmm. And the implication was that this was probably the last time she ever saw him, was at least the implication. Yeah. And we also see him walk into the ocean and not come back out. And I'm like, did we just watch him kill himself? But then we go back and she can't get in the hotel room. She's like, oh, yeah, he's because he's just drowned in the ocean. But then when she finally gets in, he's in bed naked, implying to me that he got out of the water. So I get that you're kind of implying that he may at least disappear, if not straight up commit suicide soon after the events in the film. But this confused me in a way that I'm like, wait, was that supposed Mm -hmm. to be it? Was that actually in the future? Or was that I, I was confused by that. How did you take that? Because you also see, like, right, the scene where he has the towel over his head, right? And he's, like, struggling to breathe. And that, I don't know if that's things she implied as an adult, Mm. right? Was he, like, wet and smelled like the ocean when he came back? You know what I mean? Did she, you know? And so I didn't know if it was something like that. Because then you see him also, like, on the edge of the balcony, right? Like, he, or even scuba diving, right? right? And he doesn't have the licensing. Like, he obviously, yeah. And so I don't know if those are things that she implied happened because the trip is only from her perspective. You oh, know what true. I mean? So I don't know if that if that's just things she kind of, oh, this is what happened. Or I wasn't sure, but that's kind of how I took it. Oh, interesting. So you're so you saw it as the couple scenes we get where it's only the dad on screen, you mm-hmm. see that as her best guess as to what happened looking back yes oh i kind of like that take yeah that makes a lot more sense too because like looking back at the text with rich and i it's we were richie is talking yeah richie's talking about how like he's like it seems like some of the scenes were out of sequence and i'm fine with that but yeah so aaron was just better at watching this movie than we were yeah (laughs) (laughs) i will say i did i did really love this movie yeah and i really one of the big things we talked about was if he you know killed himself if he ended up killing himself mm-hmm. one thing i brought up was it was either he killed himself or his self-destructive ways ended up killing him because there is a scene mm. in there where he's talking to someone who's uh, the birthday and he said yeah. he doesn't expect to see 40 he was shocked that he saw 30 yep right i could see that too because there's those also those interesting rave scenes that yeah. are kind of i was confused about those initially 
But you see her, right, trying so hard to, like, reach him mm -hmm. in this age. And so it's like that when he fell off the wagon. Is that, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Is that when he killed right. himself? You know, you don't know. It's unclear. He's obviously not there. She has this rug from right, right that he bought. But, yeah. It's almost kind of maybe even, I don't know, better is not the right word, but somehow more hauntingly beautiful if he knew... Like I said, like he wasn't going to last much longer if he never actually volitionally committed suicide, but more just kind of let himself go and knew to, knew he needed to remove himself from her life because of his own self-destructive nature. And that, yeah, maybe he just, you know, dies in Russia on a bender three years after this. And that's right. somehow not better, but just, I don't know. It is interesting. I mean, and I may wish we had saw more from her in the present as well. Uh, with her daughter or with her, I guess I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but with her child. and Right. No, it's, I enjoyed it a lot. I just had other movies I liked better. <laughs> yeah. One part that really stuck with me, I think it was earlier in the movie, is when the dad is on the phone talking to the mom and says, I love you. And so then the oh, daughter, yeah. the daughter mm -hmm. is like, why do you guys, yeah. why do you guys still say I love you? And to me, it was just like a, you know, we do love each other. It's just, we are not meant for each other. And I like that. I think that's such a, I don't know, an adult thing is seeing people who real, who are capable of realizing, hey, I, I can love this person. We just weren't meant for each other. And they happen to bring mm -hmm. a kid into the world also. And I just, I really like that scene. I thought it, I thought it was, I don't know, I beautiful, I don't know, beautiful is the right word or whatever, but I really like that. Yeah. And that's probably a better take because I think, it, it, I thought maybe one interpretation was like, if he knows he's not long for this world, is almost like a goodbye, I love you. But it felt more organic than that, where it was more just what you said, Cody. That... Yeah, well, and I feel like in, I, the daughter mentioned it's, it wasn't the first time she'd heard him say it to each other. Yeah, that's it true. It seems like it's yeah, an ongoing yeah. right. thing with them. Like, they love each other, they just know that they're not meant for each other. No, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a good show. Guessing Logan did not see that. I did not. Okay. Okay. Jumping to my number two. So I mentioned... To Cody, I I, had, I always keep my running initial list, and at one point I kind of had it in a certain way, and I just, I was kind of a little dissatisfied with the way I had my movies ranked, and I was like, well, you know what, let me let me try this, and I moved at what was the time, my three and five, and I moved them to one and two, just to let it sit for a little bit and see if that was better, and I kept it that way, so my, my number two is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And Logan also has it at number nine. And I don't know why this struck such a chord with me. I'm not super familiar with the old Disney version from the 50s. Like, I'm sure I've seen it. I have a rough idea of, I mean, everyone knows the Pinocchio story. And I didn't have particularly high expectations going into this film. It was just free on Netflix. I guess I'll give it a watch because it's got good reviews. And... I was kind of just blown away by it and was immediately recommending it to everybody. I'm sure I texted our little group chat uh, as soon as I watched it. It's got my favorite line of the whole whole year, despite what I said about Banshees of Inishirin. But uh, I'm made of flesh and bone and meaty bits is uh, just freaking brilliant and delivered in such a uh, fun way. And so, like, it's it's uh, I don't know. It's 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 so many things. So. Uh, Del Toro has talked about how he saw the Pinocchio story as a version of Frankenstein's monster. And we kind of get that with a Geppetto who's chopping down the tree that will become Pinocchio. 
uh, during a storm, and he's doing so inspired by grief uh, in a scene that's a little over the top, but I kind of give it a pass because the rest of the movie works works so well. And then we get to see the whole world through a brand new Pinocchio's eyes, and it's just such a beautiful way to look at the world with this absolute innocence while also being kind of honorary. So, like, again, I've never seen a character like the Pinocchio we get in this movie. I feel like the old Disney cartoon is nothing like this. This is a fully original character of Pinocchio that I found just delightful and could not get enough of. And just, see, to me, at the end of the day, too, watching this film that came out in 2022 on Netflix, it feels like this movie has just always existed. Like, this is an instant classic. This movie is timeless and beautiful and i just feel like it's always been there and i just now got to see it i thought it was absolutely amazing and then the animation i assumed watching it the whole time watching it i was like oh this is computer computer animated made to look like stop motion animation and then you look afterwards I'm like no this is just the best stop motion animation film ever made it's also arguably the best uh guillermo del toro movie he's ever made and i say that as a fan of a uh, big fan of Pan's Labyrinth. I also had no beef with Shape of Water winning Best Picture. Ugh, and gross. No, right. But I'm saying that. And, saying, and despite that, I still think this might be Guillermo del Toro's best movie. It's it's that good uh, to me. I haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth, but there's not much competition there for his best movie. <laughs> one, real thing, one real thing before Logan goes. Okay. I almost watched it just because you, <laughs> because you recommended it. Because I've been raving about Pinocchio. Everyone's sleeping on Pinocchio. It's so good. And then someone who I respect dearly posted it on their Instagram and said, instant classic. I'm completely blown away by this gorgeous film. That ending might cry forever. We'll watch it on Netflix now. And then so you didn't watch it? And that, I know. And that person was Dr. Taylor Allison Swift. So I am shocked that I... <laughs> yeah, she has a doctorate now. It's honorary, but she has it. No. No, that is not a doctorate. Hey, oh not, my god. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I will see it just because you recommended it and so did she. See, hey, hey, me and Dr. T Swizzle are just like always completely <laughs> completely on the same wavelength in all ways. Like that's what I've been saying the whole time. I tried to bring her up earlier, but you kind of shut it down. She also she also did that variety interview oh, with Mark. That's right. Yeah, she interviewed Madonna. I have not listened yeah, to that yet. On yeah, Variety. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. I I agree with uh, T Swift on Pinocchio, big time. Yeah. So uh, back to Pinocchio. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought that it was infinitely heartwarming. The animation is so good, and I appreciate it even more because I, as soon as the movie was done, the next thing that Netflix recommended to me is the 30-minute documentary where they talk about how they made it, and I immediately, right away, watched Same. the documentary in its entirety. No hesitation. Hit play and watch the whole thing. Uh, yep. Which, two th- did, it did two things. Number one, it gave me such a deep appreci- appreciation of the stop-motion process, and it, it shows, like, they have, you know, models that are, like, can sit on a desk, and then there are also, like, for the close-ups, they have models of Pinocchio's head that are, like, five feet in diameter like huge for all the close-up stuff because they wanted the detail with all the wood for pinocchio's face because he's not actually made out of flesh and meaty bits he's made out of wood they have to have a every time he talks and his mouth moves they have to have a different 
mask to put on that stop motion doll for every single frame, which is why this movie took, you know, so many, so many years of just take a photo, move them a little bit, take a photo, move them a little bit, take a photo. One thing that this movie, uh, I don't think is getting, uh, enough credit for is the voice acting performances. The ones that stand out to me the most are the little kid that is Pinocchio. Actually, let me find his name real fast because I want to. And I think they pitched his voice up because in that behind-the-scenes documentary, he was a little bit lower pitched, I thought, uh, than what we hear in the film. Okay, I didn't know if that was because they pitched him up or if was it because when they recorded it, he was like three years younger. Because they have to have all the recordings done before they do... Oh, that's true. But they have to do they have to record the audio before they do the stop motion. Right, but I thought we were seeing behind the scenes clips. Like they were showing here's footage of him recording it. You're saying that was almost like created after the fact? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's 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 why I'm saying. I I didn't know if that was because they actually modulated his voice or if it was just several years gotcha. later. Uh Gregory Mann is the okay. is the little kid. And then also uh Christoph Waltz as the villain was awesome. Um and it actually it reminded me uh, I want there to be a voice acting category in the Oscars. Just like I think there should be a motion capture category where Andy Serkis just wins every year. Um, I think there should be a voice um, a voice acting category as well. I think it's it's enough of a difference from a traditional like movie performance that I think it should you know you should give give people their their props. I uh, I don't disagree with that. I think that's a good idea. And and there are categories evolve over the years. Like that's not. That that's not impossible. Um, I just hadn't heard a lot of buzz buzz for that. I like that idea a lot. Um, I just texted Richie the other day about how like how I saw a commercial for an animated movie and it was just a bunch of famous people. I'm like, how nice would it be to get famous enough that you just have to go in and talk for a while and get paid millions of oh. dollars? But you're right. Like, I mean, there are the movies where like they do a really great job at it. They should be rewarded for it. How do we submit that to the Academy? Uh, and I, I mean, I. Sh- my favorite might have even been Ewan McGregor as the cricket, and just uh, mm, <laughs> I okay. just I just, I just thought he was delightful. They, they they mentioned the behind the scenes thing too, where they even kind of expanded his the role of the cricket once they kind of got a glimpse of what Ewan could do with it, and that basically made the role even bigger than originally yeah. intended. And just his earnestness and how his voice is almost cracking as he's like exasperatingly, you know, advocating on behalf of Pinocchio. <laughs> Because <laughs> I I forget the exact one, but it's just like he's saying some life life lesson. He's like Pinocchio taught me that. Well, I taught him, and then he taught it right back to me. <laughs> like I don't know. It's just it was, yeah. Uh, it was <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Aaron, did you get a chance to see it? I have not. Oh, Aaron. Okay, Aaron has homework Sorry. now. That, that's <laughs> 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 you will. Yeah, you'll have to. You will have to let us know. Let us know what you think. Uh, we uh, mm-hmm. we think you'll really like it. Yeah, we'll do. That uh, that documentary also made me want to hang out with Guillermo del Toro. Wow. He seems like such a fun oh my guy. Gosh, yes, like yes. He and he's just so he just got he was getting so into like describing the process and describing like you know how the story evolved and he's just so animated has a huge smile the whole time. I was like, man, I would love to just hang out with him and just talk to him about movies for like hours. That that documentary made him look you know it, it was very endearing to him as well. Well, no, and I, I mentioned wanting to see the world through, or it was neat to see the world through this Pinocchio's eyes. Well, that's not ever going to happen in real life, but I could try to see the world through Guillermo del Toro's eyes by hanging out with him. So yeah, that's we'll call that a that's a new life goal, yeah. is hang out with Guillermo del Toro 
and just get a little glimpse of life through his <laughs> eyes because it's probably a weird, weird, wonder, wonderful, beautiful world. Okay. Uh, we're down to the final five, and this is going to be the last one that's only on one list, and that is Logan's number one film of the year. Let's go. All right, so my number one movie of the year is The Northman, uh, written and directed by Robert Eggers. From the time that I saw the first trailer from this movie, I was like pretty sure it was going to be my favorite movie of the year. Uh, I'm a big Robert Eggers fan. I also... Ever since uh, Rich and I watched all the the Vikings TV shows for uh, history and film, I think that Norse culture is just infinitely fascinating. And it was just like a mashup of the two. And it's, oh, it's so good. It has a very simple premise, which is basically Hamlet. I, I think it's actually the story that, or it's based off the same story that Hamlet is also based on. Uh, the main character, Amaleth. Uh, his father is killed, and then he's banished, and then comes back to avenge his father's death. It's also very similar to Conan, uh, the the uh, Arnold movie. If you've ever if you've ever seen that, if I had to describe the world that this movie takes place in, it would be brutal. And if I had two words, it would be brutal and unforgiving. Everything is dark. Everything is grimy. Honor and goodness and kindness does nothing in this universe. You just have to be strong, and you just have to push through. And the main character, Amleth, uh, played by Alexander Skarsgård, does that. The visuals are awesome. There are everything from, like, really touching, intimate moments with him and Anya Taylor-Joy to these, like, huge, sweeping battle scenes that have takes that are, like, three minutes long where the camera's just, you know, swinging through this battle and... Vikings are fighting other Vikings. The uh, the landscapes when they go to Iceland. Uh, this movie is another one on the list that makes me want to take a vacation to Iceland, like as soon as I can. It's just insanely beautiful. The waterfalls and the the huge fields, the volcanoes, and then there's also like the weird kind of Robert Eggersy uh, kind of surreal moments, like where he's fighting this giant skeleton or where. Uh, oh, what's the... Bjork. Bjork shows up at one point as this, like, oh. uh, spiritual kind of vision to the main character. Same thing with, with the, like, all the scenes that Willem Dafoe is in where you're not really sure if that's real or if that's imagined or if it's, like, a spiritual thing. There's a lot of uh, just uh, really cool and just kind of strange visuals. Because I am such a big fan of historical movies, I was really impressed with the dedication that Eggers has to historical accuracy. He was talking about like that uh, that coin that he wears on his necklace is actually like an Arab coin that would have been time appropriate for the time that Vikings were traveling, oh, okay. you know, by sea to the Mediterranean to meet with Arab cultures. So just little little stuff like that that I thought was was interesting, nice little touches. And then this movie also has really, really awesome performances. Uh, like I said, Alexander Skarsgård is really good. Ethan Hawke is his father, who's not in the movie for very long, but he kills it for like the 20 minutes that he's there. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy is really good. Willem Dafoe is awesome. This movie has maybe the most fun that I've had in an ending. It's basically, and the, the spoilers for this aren't really going to matter, but it's basically a Viking, a naked Viking sword fight 
on a volcano that looks like something off of like a thrash metal album cover. <laughs> There's like fire and lava shooting everywhere and like two naked Vikings sword fighting each other. It's awesome. <laughs> Kind of like I did with uh, Bullet Train, because this one was also free on Amazon Prime, or included with Amazon Prime. I threw it on this morning, just kind of in the background before I ran into Wichita, just to get a feel for the vibe of it. And uh, again, I, I do see the the appeal, and I kind of knew it was roughly Hamlet. And man, like the first uh, first 30 minutes, I'm like, no, this is Hamlet. Like, it is very much the, the Hamlet story. Yeah. Um, now it doesn't look like there's necessarily a proxy for, uh, oh my gosh, I thought I would remember the character's name. Well, who's Ophelia's dad in Hamlet? Uh, oh my gosh, I have to edit this so it doesn't sound like I forgot. <laughs> he says, to thine own self be true to his son Laertes, and I just am drawing a blank on his name. Anyway, Ophelia's father doesn't seem to be in the movie. Polonesis. Polonesis. <laughs> hang on, hang on, Rich. I'm, I'm, uh, I got I'm, it, Polonesis. Or Polonius, thank Polonius. you. Polonius. <laughs> Cody, 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 give me a hint, not the answer. Polonius, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I, I, I get the appeal, I see, I see the vibe, but if to me it says like, it's like, oh, let's just uh, take out all the fun Shakespeare dialogue and make Hamlet just about the fighting. So, not necessarily my thing, but definitely Logan's thing, big time. <laughs> like, this, this movie was made for Logan Denning. It's it's not just about the fighting. Oh, no, fair, fair. It's not just about the fighting. It's it's also about his is about his journey to get back, and then it also plays on uh, the audience's expectations, where all of the stuff that he witnesses as a kid is not necessarily what it seems mm. when he becomes an adult and finally makes his way back to avenge his father's death. He finds out, oh, the situation that I thought was happening when I was a kid. It wasn't everything that I thought it was. It was actually a little bit more. It was a little bit more nuanced than that. Okay. No, I can respect that. Like I said, I wasn't watching it uh, very, very closely. I think you will actually like it. Okay. And it is. It is a very like. It's an eighty-nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It has the lower audience side of sixty-four, but eighty-nine percent is like extremely solid. Maybe it's that violence thing. It is that Robert Eggers level of of violence that just doesn't appeal appeal to me as much. No, I, I do need to sit down and actually kind of watch it in earnest here because I, I definitely th- I do think I would appreciate it. Aaron, did you see it? I did not. Mm-mm. Okay. Okay. Um, I have Go a question. Ahead. I have well, no, I did not. Um, I have a question about it though, and this will determine if I watch it or not. You mentioned a lot of different actors. How prevalent was Nicole Kidman in this movie? Uh, she is his mother, so pretty okay, pretty then prevalent. I, I could possibly watch this. She's a major a major driver of the plot. Because okay. I was a little disappointed when you when you when you named. You went, like I'm looking at the Wikipedia and you named every single actor that's like the main ones except for her and I was like cuz I love her. So that would make me want to watch it. <laughs> okay, yeah, she's yeah, she and <laughs> I will say this, she's probably my least favorite part of the movie, like her performance and it's not not because she's not a good actress, but um because she's too uh, famous and so you can't take your mind off of being her. Well, not just that she's too famous because like Anya Taylor-Joy, Ethan Hawke, like Willem Dafoe, they're there's a ton of famous people who are able to disappear into their roles here, but over the years, she has had enough cosmetic surgery that yes. looks like cosmetic surgery. Oh, no. That when she is trying to play a Viking queen, it's like, no, she looks like she's from 2023 uh-huh. because, because of the work. Oh, that's frustrating. So, and that's such a minor gripe, and that's my only, that's my only one. No, it's like, I... I 
I'd like to talk more about number ones, but I think since you're the only one that's seen your number one, which is why it's still got four movies coming after it here. <laughs> no, I, I see the appeal, and I I'm kind of on board with kind of like with uh, we said with McDonough. I'm on board with Robert Eggers making as many films as he possibly can, and even though I'm not a big fan yet, I respect him as a filmmaker, and I'm sure at some point we'll we'll mesh. Probably kind of similar to uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, who I respect as a filmmaker, but didn't like any of his films until The Favorite. And then so he finally hit something that like was right up my alley and and uh, toned down some of his other things enough to make a, a film that I really like. So I, I, I can see something very similar from Robert Eggers where, man, he's just right there and then boom, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit and maybe he's going to have a best picture contender here at some point. I think this is probably Robert Eggers' most accessible movie. It's not as weird and out there as like the as the witch and the lighthouse, but it is weird enough that I think that's why the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is not higher. I think because people were expecting just a straight up, you know, Viking slasher movie, right? And it's not. It, there there is enough weirdness and surreal stuff, and like there there is violence. There are big battle scenes, but there's only a couple in the whole movie and it is kind of slow throughout the middle where he's, you know, making his way back and he's, you know, trying to like slowly work his way to getting access, the access that he needs to be able to kill the guy who killed his father. That buildup is a lot slower. And so I think if people go in, right, kind of like with the witch, where if you go in expecting a traditional horror movie and you get a Robert Eggers movie, you are probably going to be disappointed. Um, if you're like a typical movie audience member. So I think that's, I think that's probably why it, it does kind of fall a little bit on the audience side of, uh, of Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. 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 So now we get to the first film that made three of our lists, but Cody had it the highest at number two. So he's going to introduce it. All right. So here is my number two, actually the Batman. It took me a long time to watch this movie. I think it came out in like April and I waited until, um, October because I my favorite movie of all time is The Dark Knight. So I just I was like I there nothing can live up to it. So finally one night I was like okay, I might as well give it a try. It was on HBO. The first like half of the movie was pretty slow. I just I was like oh, okay. The last half of the movie was one of the best experiences I've had watching a movie this entire year. The story that I mean the first half obviously is like kind of development of this Batman. And I was a little disappointed at first when I saw it was Robert Pattinson, because I just, you know, remember him as this little vampire dude. But he actually was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> he was actually, I thought he was, he made a good Batman. And then Zoe Kravitz was just absolutely incredible as Catwoman. She is a beautiful, beautiful woman. And I just, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. And it was just, it was a lot of fun to watch. I'm excited for the next one. And it didn't. Like I said earlier, the reason I didn't watch it is because of The Dark Knight. To me, it's they are separate enough that I can enjoy both. I don't really like the fact that we're making a new Batman every, you know, one, a new one every decade. Um, Or Superman. I'm just, I don't know, like, let's let them be. But they make a shitload of money, so they're going to continue to do it. Um, I mean, 10 years from now, we might have Timothy Chalamet as the Batman. (laughs) I agree with everything Cody just said, which doesn't always happen that way. Uh, I, I had this at number five. Again, everything Cody said is exactly what was going through my mind. I'm maybe a little less excited about 
the sequel. I almost feel like I would rather this one just be, get to be a standalone. But I'm sure if if it's as high a caliber of a production that uh, I will be eager to watch the next one as well. So yeah, super hesitant. Didn't go see it in the theaters. Was very skeptical that this could possibly be good. Because I, I felt like after the success of The Dark Knight being, I would still argue, the best uh, superhero movie ever made is The Dark Knight uh, by Christopher Nolan. And if you're going to go Batman and also go Dark Batman, it's like, well, no, we already had Dark Batman. You need to go a different direction with Batman. And the, based on the previews, I didn't realize that they were. And what the Batman here essentially is, is a high, high caliber police procedural. This is just a detective movie that happens to have like a Batman skin plastered over the top of it. This would be a very good movie if there was nothing, no Batman IP anywhere in it. If you just met this new detective who kind of just put on a a mask to kind of hide himself on certain times and maybe had a a few gadgets and was kind of infiltrating this crime syndicate to figure out, you know, what was going on, it would work beautifully as a detective movie. And then it's just kind of a fun little bonus that they made it a Batman movie. And so it's completely different than The Dark Knight. Yes, it's dark and gritty, but in a, it's almost a film noir. This is actually, I never thought about that just now. This is essentially a Batman film noir. And so it's pretty freaking cool. Yeah, so I had a number six, but basically they just actually did a, a Batman movie that has a Batman from the comic books. They didn't try to change it at all. They didn't try to make him like, oh, it's Batman, but you know, he's dark or, oh, it's Batman, but he uses guns and kills people. It's just a Batman movie. It's like the most comic accurate Batman. Okay. And I don't know if you know about the comics to be familiar with that. Okay. Which is why it's so good. That's why everyone who read, reads the comics okay. loves Batman is because he's this, it's this. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Zoe, Zoe Kravitz MVP. She was absolutely mesmerizing. She's just uh, it, stunning, stunning, just like absolutely perfect uh human being in this movie sorry oh big fan of so uh, <laughs> and and actually plays a catwoman that is like doesn't make everyone hate her like catwoman in previous batmans including the the nolan catwoman they suck like catwoman sucks but yeah zoe kravis was awesome uh i will say halle berry catwoman would make me reconsider my life <laughs> lifestyle choices. Have Have you ever seen that movie, Cody? The one with Halle, the cat one? No, not at all. I've just seen like clips and pictures oh, of it. It's <laughs> horrible. It's terrible. No, I know. That's why. That's why. That's why I've never seen. Yeah, it. Yeah, d- don't watch it. Just keep keep the 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 mental. The, keep, keep it keep on the pedestal, but don't mind. ever watch. The, don't actually watch the movie. Okay, I won't. I won't. If it was a good movie, he'd be straight. Yeah. Okay, we got. It. <laughs> <laughs> um Aaron, did you see it i did okay. um i did like it yeah that's not typically not my 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 favorite genre but i did like it it feels like more of a guy's movie honestly i would argue you could yeah. definitely see that angle i mean that's kind of sexist <laughs> okay i'm asking the woman if that's correct <laughs> i mean i don't know it's just not my genre so it's never okay. gonna like yeah, yeah, yeah. right be in my top 10 but i did i did enjoy watching it uh but i will say i i know that aaron went to the dark knight mm-hmm. which did you like better oh definitely the dark knight okay okay oh i like the dark knight better too i bet logan would probably agree with that too yeah no i know i know i know i just want her okay opinion. yeah i like the dark knight better but i will say that i think that 
I don't necessarily put them in the same category. I think this is a better Batman movie. Okay. If that makes sense. I think The Dark Knight is a better movie that just happens mm, to have Batman well. as a main character, but I think The Batman is a better Batman movie. Interesting. Interesting. Hot take here. <laughs> Trying to think. Oh, so this <laughs> is where I should now talk about the year Colin Farrell has had. Because when I was trying to say that earlier, I completely forgot he's in this movie because he's the penguin, but you can't recognize him at all that he's the penguin. So yeah, Colin Farrell does have a chance to win Best Actor for Banshees of Inishirin. He uh, is the, the penguin in The Batman. He is in 13 Lives that we talked about on the other podcast. Uh, and he's also in one of my honorable mentions, uh, After Yang. Uh, did anybody you all see after Yang? Not to get into auto, auto engines mm-hmm. right now, but it's it's another slow burn character thing, and it's just a, a family that has an adoptive son, but it's like probably set like fifty or hundred years in the future, and their adoptive son is like a robot, and you have to go get, and he like breaks down, and his name is Yang, so it's like the family dealing with their basically android stepson having broken down, so it's after Yang. And they basically got mm-hmm. him because their their adoptive daughter is Chinese, and they bought Yang so he could help teach her her Chinese heritage and give her an older sibling. But it's even though that's a sci fi premise, it's just a family drama. They take everything completely serious, and this is just the reality. Anyway, don't need to go off on on that right now. But Colin, Colin Farrell is the dad, so that's that's at least four movies that he killed it in from. Uh, 2022 and maybe we're even missing something i guess i didn't pull up his imdb to see uh if he did anything else but yeah this is this is colin Colin farrell's year for sure this uh this movie the batman also has another um connection to banshees of inisherin because barry keegan is the joker that like un the un he's he's not credited as the joker but the the scene where they're in the in the in arkham and he's like Asking the guy with the messed up face, who's very clearly the Joker, that's Barry Keegan. And wh- who's Barry Keegan? The in? dumb kid from Banshees. Oh, man. In Banshees of Inishirin. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Oh. Man, I, mi- I somehow missed or forgot the Joker uh, reference. Either I didn't miss it. I don't know if I just forgot because it's been six months since I saw it or if uh, I didn't even catch that. I think it's kind of a shoehorned scene where it's like you can tell that they're trying to like set it up for a sequel, but... Yeah, when when uh, the Batman goes to Arkham to get advice on how to basically think like a psychopath, think like a criminal, because he's trying to catch the Riddler. Huh. That guy that he's talking to is the Joker, mm. and that's Barry Keegan. And but the Joker's not going to be in the new, the next one, right? Oh, he's not. Gonna, I don't know. I'm 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 asking. I, I don't okay. know. I don't I'm, know. I don't think it's going to be the Joker. I thought I saw it's going to be Colin Farrell's Penguin is going to be the main like villain in the next movie. How does it work from an IP licensing standpoint that we have so many versions happening at the same time? How could you have the Joaquin Phoenix Joker and it having a sequel, have this version of the Batman and it having a sequel, and also have like the Man of Steel, Ben Affleck as Batman movies all happening at the same time versus Marvel couldn't use all the X-Men and Spider-Man stuff because of licensing deals. I'm so confused how Batman is not under that. Warner Brothers is just making all of these movies. Yeah, it's all owned by one, whereas Marvel was Spider-Man was also owned by Sony. Oh man, that seems so so they're, so they're making the active choice to put out their same IP in different iterations. All that matters is money. They're just going to make a shit ton of money. That's all that matters. That's why we have all these remakes of everything. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Whereas, like, the foreign films have can do those, like, slow burn, slow burn dramas, but American films, 
we just reuse IP all the time just because all they care about is what's going to make them money. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, for the most part. For the most part. Oh, I don't like this. <laughs> Why am I not in charge? Hmm. Crazy. And uh, and speaking of the Joker, Logan's face here is frozen on Skype in a perfect Joker smile right now. <laughs> uh, apparently Aaron sees oh, that as no. well. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Do I need to screenshot that real quick? I don't know. See if I... Yeah, take a picture of it and send it to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, that should have just sent in the chat there. Am I still frozen? Mm-hmm. Hang on, let me try this. Uh, I feel like you've been frozen for three quarters of this entire time. He was frozen oh. earlier, but not with the Joker smile. <laughs> 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 and it, honestly, it's it's not it's not that Joker you ever smile. Just the fact that we were talking about the Joker with Logan no, has just, his smile yeah. frozen on the screen for all of us. Okay, three to go. Next up is my number one. And this goes back to, I feel like, Cody's principle of how you should really determine your favorite movie of the year. And it's the it's the pounding the table argument. So I had another movie that we still have yet to discuss at my number one for a while. And I kind of ultimately decided that I wasn't excited to have it as my number one. And so this is a film that I was a little more embarrassed about putting at number one. But at the end of the day, I've been pounding the table since I've seen it. And I can't stop talking about it. And this is probably the most fun I've had watching a movie. Just the act, like Cody was talking about the experience of Bones Bones and All in the theater. Just the experience of watching a movie. This is the most fun I've had in years. So... Join me and rise, roar, revolt. Oh. R, R, R. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. This is an absolute. Let's go, blast. Rich. <laughs> yes, Logan had it at number four. It is unreal. Like, this This movie's dumb. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. And I was, like, on the edge of my seat, like, laughing and just enraptured the entire time. I was thinking how ridiculous this is. It was just an absolute blast. So at the end of the day, I had to just decide. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit that RRR is my favorite movie of the year. And I think maybe I would have, I was like when I didn't have it at number one, because I was like, well, this can't be a number one movie. Like it's not actually good, but I actually enjoyed it way more than any other movie this year. So it's my number one movie. And I just had to basically be, be okay with that. So like I, what the phrase I keep coming back to, like, this movie is absolutely ridiculous, but it's ridiculously awesome. And like I, I probably mentioned to y'all too, like I sat down to watch it, had really good reviews, and I'm like, okay, it's like over three hours long. I'll watch it over the course of the next couple of nights. It'll be fine. I sit down to watch it, and yeah, an hour in, I'm like, there's no way I'm hitting pause. I am watching this whole thing. This is unreal. It flies by. And it flies by. It's like the Batman in that it has perfect pacing, and you don't feel a second of those three hours. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just, it's so ridiculous. And But also, I was watching a, another a review on YouTube, and they kind of mentioned some of the stuff. There are, there are different cultural differences and things that don't work as well for American audiences that Indian audiences kind of expect and love. And so if you kind of throw out some of the stuff that is kind of cheesy or what we would consider lame... And realize that's not important. Like, look at what's actually happening here. This this is an action bromance movie. And again, it's dumb, 
but it totally works and is an absolute blast. Like, it's just so ridiculous. And I forget which other movie where we're talking about it is. It's not self-conscious about it. This movie knows exactly what it is. This is not pretending to be Lawrence of Arabia. This movie knows it's ridiculous and says, yeah, hold my beer. We're going to be even more ridiculous for the second half. Like, it's absolutely nuts. And it's also almost like what I'd rather see in a weird way from Marvel movies, because essentially these two main characters are superheroes, or maybe a better term might be like demigods. Like it's almost like they're Herculean type men where they're doing things that are absolutely not possible in a movie that is otherwise set in the real world. Outside of the actions of our two main characters, everything we see feels pretty realistic, except when these guys are involved, it's like a tall tale. And you're getting the legend a thousand years after the fact of of these glorious warriors from our past. And I didn't realize until like a week ago, they are actually based off of real historical figures in Indian history. And that makes me even more excited to kind of do a deeper dive or to do it on history and film and talk about the real life. So I haven't even looked into any of the, the real life stories of these guys. I did read that they never actually met in real life. And then they took this story and kind of made the conceit that they meet and become uh, BFFs. But it's also more than just, it seems, on the surface as far as intrigue. And there's almost like parallels to The Departed. And it's like, it's mind-blowing. And at the end of the day, I don't have much more to say about it other than it's just an absolute blast. Cody got an inkling that this was coming when I just kept ramming it, you know, in his face that like, you have to watch this movie. You have to watch this movie. Here, watch this clip. Here, watch this clip. And he's like, you have this movie pretty high, don't you? Because you won't shut up about it. He did. He did talk about it so much. <laughs> Even like when I, when, I fir- when, I first, when I first texted him and told him I had COVID, he's like, oh, so you have time to watch Triple R. <laughs> right. Or, or all at least like, oh, here, watch, watch, uh, watch this clip. Or like, you're just, I've been showing people just like, here, at least watch, here, watch this 90 seconds. I just got to show you all what this movie is about. Like, this is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. And I've seen plenty of other Indian movies. I think some people are maybe coming to this where it's the first Indian film they've seen. I've seen a dozen other Indian films, and I know that they include song and dance numbers in movies that they have no place in being. We, I talked about Ushaka in uh, History and Film, an ancient Indian uh, historical figure, and it's a movie set 2,000 years ago, and they still have a song and dance number because that's just what they do. I've seen stuff like that. I've never seen anything like this. Uh, the closest comparison I would have is another movie I have not seen. Have any of you seen Kung Fu Hustle? I have not, but... I've seen Kung Fu Hustle. Okay, is that a fair comparison? So you've seen both. Um, yeah, I think this one's way better. No, right, but it's almost like a better version of what the craziness they're doing in Kung Fu Hustle, but I say that as, again, I haven't seen Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah, I, I don't know, it's, it's a closer comparison than any, like, normal American action movie you would see. Okay. But it's kind of, it's so unique, it's its, it's, its own thing. Okay. It's just, it's, it's just its own thing, like you, like the, the song and dance numbers and stuff, it should be noted that that doesn't take away from any of the emotional weight that you feel when they're dealing with the serious stuff like colonialism or classism or like child having to murder their parent or something like there is heavy stuff in the movie too. And it's, it, none of it is overshadowed by the silliness that you see in some of the other scenes. And when they're doing that dance number, it's not for no reason. They're doing it to defeat racism. (laughs) Right, right. And uh, and again, that sounds—it's a dance battle that, for racism. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that feels a little reductionist, <laughs> but you're also not wrong. No, and I should—I I should. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Is that 
as much as I keep coming back to how fun this movie is, it is also dark and very serious at times, and it never feels false. And they just kind of keep hitting it on all cylinders, and it all just kind of totally works. And it's, again, if you pull up some clips without the full context of what this movie is, it looks dumb. This is a movie I would never watch. Like, if I had just seen the trailers and I, Rotten Tomatoes didn't exist, I'd be like, no thanks, pass. Like, it just looks dumb. And it, and it kind of <laughs> is. But I love it so much. <laughs> uh, Aaron, did you see it? I did. I okay. did, unfortunately, watch it over. I, like, started it in the Atlanta airport uh, and watched okay. part of it on my flight. So, like, I will say it was probably better in one okay. sitting. And I think it would have been really fun to see in a theater, right? Agreed. Yeah, but it is like a, like you said, a romance movie. And it was ridiculous and over the top, but also touching. It was it was good. It just, I think I would have enjoyed it if I watched it in one sitting for sure. If I wasn't as distracted, I guess. Well, especially being in the Atlanta airport itself is stressful enough. Let alone <laughs> yeah, trying to figure yeah. out how to watch a three-hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta be careful not to start like swinging from the ceiling or something and doing your own RRR. <laughs> scene to get out of there no i I wish i I definitely wish it was actually i think it might have showed at the theaters here in wichita briefly and i just kind of again didn't think i needed to rush out and see it and i really wish it would and maybe i don't know well it didn't get it only got the one oscar nomination so probably it won't come back but i would go see it again and then as, as logan pointed out too very frustrating currently it is not in its original language on netflix you have to watch it dubbed yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Right, but weirdly, you could watch it dubbed into Hindi because it's not actually originally. What's the language, Logan? I always forget. It's it Tamil or it's uh, it's originally in Telugu, and so if you want, yeah, Telugu is the language that it's originally in. And if okay. you want to watch it in the original language, you have to subscribe to a you have to pay money to subscribe to a separate streaming service where it exclusively streams there. Right. Otherwise, you can watch it on Netflix, dubbed either into Hindi or English or a, a, a handful of other languages. Right, which is very, very frustrating. Because when I watched, I swear when I watched it last fall, or when, or I, I don't even know when I watched it, September, October, it was in the original language. I, I, I remember having no issues with any of that. And then I rewatched it uh, last week, and I was like, wait, this is different. Why is this different? And... Yeah, and that's the, that's the version Logan was kind of stuck with. So that's unfortunate. So I would, I mean, it's, it's like I would highly recommend it, but I also feel like maybe wait if you can until you get to the uh, original language version because these guys give such charming performances. I watched it dubbed in English, and um, while I, I did kind of have to look past the whole fact that it's dubbed, and, you know, like that's, at least for me, is a huge pet peeve when you watch a movie and the audio mm-hmm. doesn't match up with the with the mouth movements. But yeah, I mean, I I watched it dubbed into English and I still have it at number four on my list for for best of the year. So it doesn't it it doesn't take away that much. And for most of the like the scenes, like all of the musical numbers are still in. Even when you watch it dubbed into English, the musical numbers are still oh, in the that's original good. language. Okay, yeah, 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 that makes sense. Um, well, and. Uh, India in general, because of, you know, the century and a half of British imperialism and control, uh, English is heavily interwoven into India. And so even in the original, like there's Mm -hmm. times where the actors in the original foreign language film are speaking in English because people in India speak English a lot. So, yeah, 
highly recommend it. It's freaking amazing. It's also kind of dumb. <laughs> uh, but it, this this movie makes me happy. I wish a lot of that stuff like made appearances in American movies. I liked like the the breaks the breaks into song and dance stuff. Like I I think that it, it yeah it works it works emotionally. It works with the story, and it's just you know. I thought that that stuff was fun. I wish that American movies would do that more. And, you know, I I love a good training montage, and there are, there are a couple of those in this movie, but there is, towards the beginning of the movie, there's a montage of friendship where it's, like, showing the two main characters becoming best friends, and it's, like, a training montage for their, for their bromance. And yes. that was just, that was so enjoyable. I loved that so much. That was ma- one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. Right, it's so charming. Like you can't just not smile. Like the, the, the performances are great. These guys are great. It's also just kind of, I mean, it is kind of you know the Indian folk heroes beating the British imperialists, and these guys are essentially superheroes. They're also freaking jacked. Like these guys are built like NFL linebackers, and you just don't see that from yeah. the Indi- Indian guys a lot for whatever reason. Never really seen anything like this movie, and may never see anything like this again. And I'm really big on uniqueness. And yeah, this this was nuts. This was absolutely nuts. And I love it. I love it. I, I'm not a big rewatcher. And this might be one like, you know what? Yep, time to turn on R&R in the background and just let it rip. Okay, two to go. Surprisingly, our penultimate film here today was only on two of our lists. But this was my number three and Aaron's number one film of the year. So take her away, Aaron. Yay. Um, yeah, so that's Everything Everywhere All at Once. And it's basically a multiverse film. And it centers around Evelyn, who's a mother. And you start the movie, and she's actually getting audited by the IRS. And then all of a sudden, she learns, right, that she has to defeat this powerful being, <laughs> Joe Boo, right, from just uh, destroying the multiverse. And you learn that, right? Jobu is also her daughter, Joy, in an alternate universe. And there's so many things I loved about this film. There are so many scenes that are so silly and absurd, and it's just ridiculous. And then by the end, I'm like crying because there's two rocks in the canon. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's no words, and you're like, oh, this is really, you know, deeply emotional, too. And so the filmmaking was insane in this movie. The, the cinematography was so cool. The costuming, hands down, the best. So cool. Like, you know what I mean? So many things. It was such a good movie, but I just, I loved it. I was really surprised, especially as I was going through the movie. Um, it was really unique. I just really loved it. Uh, yes, this this was the film that I initially had at number one. Absolutely loved it. It just didn't feel like a number one movie of the year for me. And that's where I was said. I just like felt, so that's why I kind of had, I did have RRR and Pinocchio leapfrog it. But that came pretty late in the game, probably just a month ago, I kind of made that shift. So for the longest time, I was kind of planning on having this conversation with everything everywhere all at once in my number one spot. And it's it's just, it is awesome. It, it the, the movie itself is kind of everything everywhere all at once. It, it, it is a, mm-hmm. it is a, it would, it would work. If this was just them in the laundromat dealing with their taxes, this was still going to be a good movie. Yeah. It's kind of like this lighthearted drama or serious comedy, however you wanted to spin that. That would have totally worked as a movie. Right. And then you get, it just becomes this completely surrealistic action film dealing with the multiverse in a way arguably better than Marvel deals with the multiverse. And it's yeah. just so much fun there. And then the, the layers that you keep adding, and it's so self-aware to be like, 
you know the everything bagel, which is a really thing in real life, and they make the every they make yes. the everything bagel like literally everything. This bagel, this bagel yep. has everything. Like all of existence is on this bagel, and just right. and just the the performances with uh, the Oscar nominations. It, it had the most Oscar nominations, so like there's a good chance this wins Best Picture, which would be kind of cool if it did because it would be the most bizarre film to ever win Best Picture. I believe as it stands, you only have a couple uh, even films that fall into the fantasy category at all winning best picture which would be return of the king and uh, shape of water and outside of that i don't think you have a best picture winner that's this much outside of reality and uh that would be it would be a really really fun choice to see the academy go in this direction and for michelle yo to hopefully uh bring mm-hmm. home uh the oscar for best actress and i can never remember Key who or what? What's the what's the her husband's name? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't never, know. It's but just yeah, like three short words and I, or syllables, and I can never, I never remember the oh Ki Hu Kwong or whatever Ki Hu Kwong. I don't want to say his middle name. It is Ki Kwong. I just don't want to say the H U Y in the middle. Ki, is it is it who or who? It's it's spelled H U Y. Yeah, right. But I don't know how to pronounce it. So yeah, his kind of return to acting after being in a you know Temple of Doom and Goonies back in the eighties. He's now kind of back on everyone's radar and. Even though he's nominated for an Oscar, honestly, and may win, like I think he's the, maybe even the favorite to win supporting actor. Yeah, he's the favorite. He still feels like an underdog to me because one, we still haven't figured out how to say his darn name, but two, like what he does in this film, he does so many things in this film, and Michelle does too. But I, I guess I expect it from from Michelle Yeoh, and I don't expect it mm-hmm. from uh, Kihu Kwan in the same way, where he goes from like her nerdy husband who's just kind of uh always looking on the bright side but uh just kind of goofy that feels like him but then when they jump to the alternate reality where they're like suave hollywood elites yes and he nails suave like he's freaking james bond i was like holy yeah. cow where did this guy come from how can he do this he's so good <laughs> and uh yeah how has he not been acting this whole time and then i mean the uh stephanie uh, again how do you say her name uh who Shu? it's hsu i don't know how to pronounce that either sue is sue i think it's sue sue okay so her getting an oscar nomination and has anybody seen uh marvelous mrs Maisel? yes she's in that uh and she's awesome in that too. oh i did not mm-hmm. realize that was it was her the same person because I, I love mrs Maisel. no right ah, it's just so so freaking cool and uh yeah. Yeah, especially especially at the end, right? It's like a cutscene of someone with like hot dog fingers, <sighs> and then you're like crying. If I yes. Slater, right? You know, <laughs> it's like. Also, we oh. haven't brought up <laughs> right. Jamie Lee Curtis at all, and she was incredible. Who's awesome? And yeah. this is this is yeah. her her first nominee. Oh yeah. Or her first nomination. Oh, is it really? Yeah. 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 It's such a it's such an unexpected performance too. Like it's so unlike anything she's ever done before. But then she just like she goes for it and like turns it up to eleven. The weirdness. Oh yeah, I think she's had hot dog f- fingers in at least three films. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It's it's just it's just so so unexpected and I don't know. Like I said, the film itself is everything, everywhere at once, and it, it sets itself up in a way where like, oh, this is kind of crazy. How are they ever going to steer this to a proper landing and bring all the threads together in a satisfying ending? And they totally do. It's almost like none of the mm-hmm. multiverse stuff was real. And it is just because, uh-huh. but, but that's what makes it kind of a 
perfectly crafted script is it it bookends itself with just the family drama and everything else in between mm-hmm. almost becomes irrelevant but it's how you are able it's the character growth you have to go to to get to the ending and so it's almost like they took a standard one of our slow burn dramas we've been talking about from this year but instead of the normal middle you would get there by they just said like ah no nah, let's let's take that in a completely different direction and uh just give audiences something they've literally never seen before with like this surrealist action comedy in the middle of this family drama and uh mm-hmm. it's it's an absolute blast that it's gonna be hard not to root for at the oscars and, it's, and part of me almost feels like oh shoot if it becomes the favorite now are people gonna steer away from it and maybe kind of rally behind something else and we don't get to see everything everywhere all at once when when best picture which actually i would be okay with i feel like my priorities are the actors. I want to see Michelle Yeoh followed by Kihu Kwan win their Oscars. And then to me, the best picture becomes a bonus after after those two. Um, I'm probably rooting for them even more. But yeah, you guys you guys didn't want to top 10 it? <laughs> so I did not. When I first heard about the movie or started hearing about the movie, I just instantly thought, okay, Aaron's going to like this movie. So when I went <laughs> to visit her in September, before I came out, I was like, hey, we should watch this movie together. And then we can do like a little mini podcast and talk about it that we could include it in this one. And we just ended up not ended oh, yeah. up not having time. Oh, huh. And then when I did finally watch it like a couple weeks ago, I was like, I will be shocked if this is not Aaron's number one movie. <laughs> huh. <laughs> so I'm glad to know that I was right. <laughs> That's fine. There That's you fine. go. So it was good. I enjoyed it. It was a little too, I don't know, not hard to follow, but it was just so out there that I didn't didn't feel like I should put it that high on my list. But I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it was a little too bizarre for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I enjoyed it, though. It was one of those movies that I'm like, I have to pay attention the entire time or I'm going to be lost. So it's like I put my phone on silent, which I should, or do not disturb, which I should do every time I watch a movie, but I don't. But I had to do it on this one. I'm like, okay, I'll, I have to pay attention to this. Gotcha. Cody's too much of a millennial for this movie. <laughs> I uh, I mostly just ran out of room on my list. I liked the movie. Um, it just I don't know if it was because it was I just wasn't following it enough, or maybe it was just like uh because Marvel is also doing the multiverse thing. Like maybe I was just multiversed out a mm. little bit, especially because I saw this like when it came out, and it's so and it's been a long time since I've seen it. So it came out in what like. Oh, it was like it was April. Like spring, it, yeah, it was it? it was one of the earliest releases for especially for awards contenders. Yeah. Oh, March it came oh, wow. out in March. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was just a little a little multiversed out and was just kind of like wanted something a little. And I only saw it the one time too. So maybe if I went back and watched it, I would enjoy it more. I don't know. I liked it fine, but it was just it uh, just didn't make didn't make the cut. So if this ends up winning Best Picture, which right now it is the Vegas favorite, could that potentially change like? when people release movies because they can see hey that's this, a good point yeah this came out in march we can maybe we can release these movies earlier in the year than we normally do hopefully versus some movies are then having trouble seeing an audience yeah let's not let's just stop packing them all in in november december and spread them out a little bit well, yeah the way people watch movies now is kind of shifted enough that yeah it, it's arguable what extent the old model of these late releases to be fresh in the mind of voters my understanding is that's the whole reason they did it anyway mm-hmm. is you wanted to be as fresh as possible in the mind of voters but if people are feeling overwhelmed and don't get to your stuff maybe that's not the best 
the strategy anymore. And uh, it could also just be a swing for the fences thing, though, too. Like, if you're going to be, like, the number one most nominated film, you can afford to come out whenever. But if you're going to be a lower end, if you're going to be women talking, you need to come out at the end or you're going to get forgotten. And maybe yeah. that's the argument. I don't know. Well, I mean, just looking at it, it's like, so everything, everything, or all at once was in March. Maverick was in May. All right. Elvis was um, June. Right. So, mm-hmm. and I think, I assume All Quiet on the Western Front was earlier, right? It was a while ago, too. It was, it was like, the, it was like mm-hmm. July or August or something. Yeah, so I mean, like, almost half of the movies were released in the first half of the year. So maybe it is changing. Okay, well, we can go ahead and uh, peel the Band-Aid off and get to what will be the Track Nerds Consensus Top Film of the Year because it was on your three lists. It didn't It didn't make mine, but I did definitely enjoy it and have a good time with it. So, Cody, what do we got here for the final movie, your number one? I have never been more excited to talk about a movie in my entire life. <laughs> there are two movies in my entire life that I have cried within the first five minutes. <laughs> one one of them is a Taylor Swift documentary. The other one is Top Gun Maverick. Okay, okay. And it was just it so some backstory, this is my dad or the the original Top Gun is my dad's favorite movie of all time. I saw that movie growing up at least 100 times. We watched it all the time. Oh wow, okay. I just remember like a core childhood memory is my dad got a new surround sound and of course Top Gun was our first movie to watch on it. So that was ingrained in my mm. mind. And then this movie was supposed to come out in... Well, like years ago, right? Yeah. So it was originally scheduled in 2019. Then it got pushed to June 2020. And I had plans to fly home. Like it was my... I tried to go home at least once in the summer. So we centered it around that so I could go see the movie with my dad. And then COVID happened and that mm-hmm. didn't happen. And we didn't go. Um, And the movie didn't come out. So then it got pushed back to... July 2nd, 2021. They pushed it back again because of COVID. It finally came out May 27th, 2022. Luckily, I had already planned on coming back home because it was my birthday weekend. So I was able to see the movie with my uh, with my dad and my mom and my brother. Cannot imagine a better movie viewing experience in my entire life. I was sitting right beside my dad. And he, before we went to the movie, my dad even said, he's like, Don't, do not judge me if I cry. And I'm like, I'll, I'm like, I'm like, I'll be crying right there with you. You're like, Dad, I've already cried. Yeah. So then we start, we start, we start the movie, and it's the um, highway to the danger zone when the planes are coming in, and it just reminded me of the first one. So that's that's when I started. I, I cried a little bit, and then the movie, like I was saying, like I just had such high expectations for this movie, and it absolutely blew them away. And the like, even if it was a standalone, like let's say this was the first Top Gun, it would still be incredible because the story was so good. And like the scene, like the sequence that they had to do, the the um, what's the term? Not the battle, but the when they had to go dogfight. Yeah, but like the the mission, the mission, the mission, the mission like the training was like okay. so good. And just and they they tied in the first movie so well. They didn't like over reference it, but they referenced it just perfectly. Like, the flashback to playing the piano and Rooster's dad, a goose, playing the piano. I cannot say enough good things about this movie. And I have seen it at least 
probably 10 to 15 times since it's because it's on because it's on because <laughs> it's on paramount now so i just turn it on and watch it all the time you guys know how much i love the dark knight i truly think this is my second favorite movie of all time and i said that i, nice, I said that nice. to richie when i first saw it and it still holds up now that i've seen it 10 different times yeah, we, we try to kind of keep our top tens a secret from each other, but when it was the summer and Cody's like, well, I already have my number one. I don't think you specifically said, but I was like, yeah, I mean, I know it's Top Gun. Yeah, and, well, and, and I know it's going to stay Top Gun. I think I texted you as soon as I got out of the movie, and I was like, got my number one, and okay. you knew I was going to it. Yeah. And I just, I, cu- I couldn't keep this a secret. It's, it, is, it is that good, and I know people have their differences with Tom Cruise, but you got to just overlook it and just enjoy how freaking good of a movie this is. He, yeah, he's he's the last great movie star. Oh, that is not that is not what I that is not what I meant when people have their differences with Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, I, okay. I, I know, I know, I know. No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying that's how good he is. Like people will look past it and give you know praise to this movie and all the other movies that he's in, and he can sell movies just because he's in them. I, he's like the last, the last great movie star. Where if like people will go see a movie because because he's on the poster. Yeah, I had it at number two. I also had just stratosphere level expectations for this movie because I also watched this movie probably a hundred or watched the original a hundred times uh, with my dad growing up and was waiting for this movie to come out for, yeah, like four years. And every summer when it just kept getting pushed back and pushed back, it was like, man, this movie is, I, I didn't know if it was ever going to come out. And I was hoping that they wouldn't just push it to streaming because I wanted to see it in the theater so bad. and. Man, it was, yeah, it was so, so worth the wait. It has the best dogfight scenes that have ever been shown in a movie, ever. And I think that a big part of that is because they actually put the actors in jets and Mm -hmm. flew them around. Like, you can can tell Mm -hmm. there's a weight there where, you know, the straps are all moving, you know, 100% like they would if you were in a jet because they are in a real jet. Uh, The G-forces, like, you can see their face, like, sinking off. Because they're you know they're pulling like six seven eight G's and then you know the the external shots of where they had the actual planes flying are all are all awesome. That scene at the very beginning where he's in the the space plane and he does that real hard pull up and like you know the the jet wash like blows the roof off of that that guard shack. That was a real shot. They had to uh, it, it was an F eighteen, but they you know computer generated the space plane over the top of it. But like that. A plane taking off and blowing the roof off the guard shack happened in real life, and it was the first shot they said huh. we're putting that in the movie. And just little stuff like mm. that, like it's, oh god, it's so good. And it's it. I hope that the lesson that Hollywood learns from Top Gun Maverick is twofold. Number one, it's okay to use CGI, but like use practical effects whenever possible because it does look better, and audiences can tell. Even just knowing that the actors were actually in the jets just makes you more exhilarated when you're watching the movie. Um, And then also, don't just turn sequels into nostalgia fests. It's okay to reference the original work a little bit, but it doesn't live in the past. Like, the subplot with Goose was handled perfectly. The one scene with Iceman is handled perfectly. Like, it has enough of the original cast and the original you know, like the spirit of the original movie to feel like it's connected, like they're, you know, in the same universe, but not so much that it's like, hey, remember back in the 80s when we were doing this? Hey, remember the the old this? Remember the old that? Remember this old person? 
Are you listening, George Lucas? Are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> it just, it, it had the perfect blend of old stuff to connect it to the past movie, but then, you know, the new generation and uh, a, a new story and a new mission. And yeah, it, like I said, with in the Northmen, uh, when I saw that movie, I was like, nothing's going to take it out of, out of number one. Top Gun came the closest. <laughs> it didn't ultimately take it out of number one for me, but it came the closest. And uh, yeah, man, it God, it's such a such a good movie. <laughs> All right. So I, I had to hold myself back there from like jumping in five different times because I agree with everything you said. But back to Iceman, the way that they handled him with Val Kilmer and not being able to talk was just incredible. That was good. And then, um, mm-hmm. yes. so Penny, the love interest in this one, did you, I assume you guys know that she was referenced in the first yeah. one a couple times? The Admiral's daughter. Ad, yep, Admiral's daughter. When, when Tom yeah. Cruise is getting chewed out with Goose because he's hooked up with the Admiral's daughter. And then she comes back in full circle. And I just, and then when they first met, um, he when he was at the bar the first time, and there's a song playing in the background, and it was um, the Lady Gaga song that got nominated for Best Original Song. I had told my dad, I was like, this song is going to be in the movie. I sent him, I sent the song to him before the movie. He's like, this song is terrible. So it's playing just in the background, like on a jukebox. And I like grab my dad's arm. I'm like, if this is the only time we hear this song, I'm going to be so pissed at this movie because it was such a good song. And then it was the song, the song at the end of the movie. And I hope it wins best song. RRR. No, that's RRR's. RRR's oh, Yeah. Not you, not you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, this is like a, a a minor thing, but that uh, that P fifty one, the old uh, propeller plane, that's actually Tom Cruise's plane, and he is <laughs> actually is, flying yeah, it yeah. in those scenes at the end of the movie where he's doing the barrel roll. Oh, that doesn't su- that doesn't surprise me at all. We've gone through this entire thing without talking about Miles Teller and how attractive of a man oh, he is. Yeah. Logan, is that in your notes? <laughs> well, he was the reason that like every dude in the in America had a mustache Logan, over the summer. Logan, I had a mustache uh, over the summer. <laughs> I had this big, I had this big giant beard, and finally one day I was like, I was like, ah, eh, screw it, let's do, let's try the mustache. It wasn't a great look, but it worked. <laughs> so he was incredible. Or were you goose? For, were you goose? Or were you rooster for Halloween? No, I was. I didn't do Halloween this year, but I, I that's who I would have been. Oh, okay, it's yeah. All my friends had like have like kids and stuff. They don't do Halloween anymore. Well, a different kind of Halloween. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> they do the trick or treating kind, which you would feel creepy just seeing just trick or treating. Yeah. Oh, the fact that when Goose and Maverick, like, sorry, Rooster and Maverick, like, crash into the field or whatever, and then they go and they find these ran- these random planes, and it's the one that he flew with Goose. Ah, it's just incredible. I think very unrealistic that they made it out of there. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, I know. but that's not the point. No, right. Yeah. I, it was so much fun to watch. Yeah, it's <laughs> you, you needed them to, but the, the the tension was well handled. Like there, you actually thought they might not survive. Like they actually handled yeah. the tension very well and audience expectations very well. As far as you really didn't know necessarily what was, you kind of figured at least one of them would live. But when they when they kind of maybe tease you that one or the other may not make it. You're like, yeah, I mean, Goose didn't make it in the first one, so maybe they'll they'll go that direction again. Aaron, you had this as your number nine. Thoughts? 
Yeah. So I actually had the opposite experience. I thought that in the sense that I thought this was not going to be good. I thought for sure it was going to be. You know what I mean? Like my husband really loves this movie. I watched it a couple of times with him and I was like, I'm just like not going. Like he dragged me to a movie, which is usually like the other way around. Um, And I actually really liked it. And I also watched so many videos on how they created these shots because like Logan was mentioning, that was the coolest part of the film to me. It was so real how they shot it like within the cockpit you know what I mean and some of the shots were just it was just incredible but yeah it was a really fun like a really fun movie to watch I really did like it a lot I am so glad that you have this in your top 10 yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of surprised that I already had it in the yeah. top 10 I can, then I kind of feel bad like I'm, yeah. I'm the one who does it and I will say like I thoroughly enjoyed this movie I had a good time at the theater and like my biggest beefs are like small things like why would he have his dad's mustache <laughs> and <laughs> uh, I mean and don't and uh don't we have drones can't you just send drones to take out the turrets and it's basically the star wars trench run but again that's ticky tacky stuff i actually really did enjoy this movie i have no problem with you guys having it where you have it and like i i I won't roast this movie it's it's uh it was a lot of fun i wish we had more blockbusters that were of this caliber caliber and instead we get blockbusters that are nowhere near this caliber honestly avatar is a good example like avatar doesn't have this script this is a way better script and how you tell a story mm-hmm. with a spectacle versus Avatar. So I, I like this. I, I take this, you know, 100 times out of 100 over Avatar. Well, and superhero movies in general, but specifically Marvel movies, have dominated the summer yeah, blockbuster yeah. for like so many years now. It's exhausting. That it was so refreshing to see something that wasn't a Marvel movie that was actually good as a summer blockbuster. Like it restored my faith yeah, in the summer yeah. blockbuster. Yeah. But you mentioned lessons that Hollywood might take. And the problem is they never take the right lesson. They'll look at this and be like, apparently people really want to see more movies with planes. So let's get more planes in movies. They never take the right (laughs) lesson. Or or more sequels. Or sequels. Or they'll say more sequels. All right. uh, What do we got? What do we got? Okay. I'm trying to think. Oh, it's Goonies 2, but this time with airplanes. Like they just don't understand what lesson. Oh, they're going to get Hugh Kwong as a pilot in Goonies 2. And think that this is what we want. I think that the time difference between the two was perfect because it made the sto- the story it made the story with Rooster so much better. If they had made this movie, you know, ten fifteen years ago, it probably would not have been near as good, or even tw- even twenty years ago. Because Tom Cruise originally said, um, I was reading earlier when he did whatever movie, they asked him if there would be a sequel to Top Gun. He goes, No, I think it would do injustice to Top Gun. No, right, and you do hear that. Yeah, yeah, and then, but like that much time in between, I think was just perfect. There's one other thing that we haven't talked about that we have to. Okay. The football scene on the beach. <laughs> Which aspect would you it, like to no, discuss? No, no. It rivals the homoeroticacy <laughs> in the beach volleyball or the volleyball scene. I mean, yeah, that was kind of. The, oh yeah. That was kind of the point, right? Yeah. Well, nah, nah, because there's a girl. <laughs> And no, no, because Logan really liked that scene in a way he doesn't really understand. The gay in me cannot decide which scene he liked better. I will think I, I lean the football one just because Miles Teller was in it. And then I always look at it from a sports standpoint, like, wait a second, could you actually, would it actually be a good game if you were trying to do simultaneous offense and defense? So I'm trying to break down the structure of of, of the game, but yeah. Yeah, I did not have any brain width for that to do that. Um, I want to do honorable mentions, so I'll start. I already mentioned after after Yang. 
I really enjoyed Lost Illusions, which was a French film period piece uh, about an author coming to Paris. And uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris was surprisingly fun. It's, a, it's, just, it's not very ambitious. It's just a poor woman in England who wants to go to France to buy a Dwar dress. That's the movie. And it's it's just kind of charming. Yeah, I liked it too. Uh, uh, you, did you guys have any honorable mentions? Trying to keep them about that brief. Um, I have an honorable mention that I'm very mad at myself because I forgot to add it to my list. And if I had, it would be in my top five. <laughs> okay. Um, I watched it while having COVID and for, just forgot to put it on the list. So we're going to chalk that up to COVID brain again. Okay. <laughs> Elvis. Loved it. Mm. Yes. Yeah, solid, um, solid. I, lo- mm, I love okay. Bosler, man. At the beginning of the movie, I thought, I was like, oh, this is a terrible director to do the Elvis movie because he's just so over the top on everything. But as the movie progressed, it turned out, I was like, okay, I'm glad that Boz did this because I think it turned out really well. My only complaint was Tom Hanks and the worst performance of his life. That was the worst accent. I don't even know what that accent was. Um, It was just absolutely... Yeah, it was bizarre. He was trying to do like a foreign accent, but also American. It was kind of like that the... um, she had a Netflix show and she like frauded people out of money. God. Oh, uh, oh, Anna, 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 Anna Delvey. Anna, what's her name? Anna Delvey. Anna Delvey. Yeah. Yeah. So it was or like, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. actress that so never like had an accent because she was trying to be like, she, this lady, no one knows where this lady's from. I felt like it was the same kind of thing with Hanks is he didn't actually have an accent because he, we didn't know where this person was from. Um, but otherwise I thought it was a great movie. I really enjoyed it. Aaron. Mentions. Yeah, I think the only one that hasn't been mentioned was Vengeance. It was hmm. it was made by B.J. Novak. Yeah, I've heard that recommended as well. Yeah, it was very good. It basically follows this guy, someone that he had kind of a fling with, dies, and he goes down, tries to make a podcast, and it becomes something else. But I did I did enjoy that one too. Logan, um, I, I don't know if I would necessarily say it was an honorable mention, but uh, I was pleasantly surprised with the movie Prey. The uh, Predator prequel. Oh yeah, that came out. Yeah. They released straight to Hulu. It was. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was way better than I thought it was going to be. I actually saw that too. So I would. I would recommend it, um, especially if you're a fan of the of the uh, any of the other Predator movies. Um, it's a fun watch. Okay, closing thoughts as we near the four hour mark. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are willing to do this uh, with me. I, I do. I do appreciate it. And uh, wait, was Maverick our last movie? I said, yeah, that was that was the consensus yeah. number one. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, okay, perfect. That was uh, it was Cody's number one, Logan's number two, and Aaron's number nine. Okay. nine. So like that's, and there's only one. The only other movie on three lists was the Batman that uh, no one had at number one. So that's kind of how that played out. Perfect. I could not be happier at our consensus number one. And this is weird for me too because <laughs> I think this is the first time since we've been doing this. I think it was started with just me and Cody, and then adding uh, Aaron, and then adding Logan. But I don't think the consensus number one movie has ever not been in my top 10 so i feel kind of weird right now mm-hmm. but i did but i did enjoy it it'd be different if it was like something i actively i mean you're like i mean you're you're wrong you're wrong by not having it in your top 10 but <laughs> I, I i made my case i made my case i know i, I praised it <laughs> <laughs> okay well again thanks to the five people that are listening to this and uh <laughs> uh we'll probably i'm definitely gonna split this up into multiple episodes here this will be at least two episodes if not <laughs> and i'll try to get them out before the oscars but uh again you guys don't have to hang up but i guess i'll close this out here so yeah thanks everybody for listening and we'll do it again next year hopefully 